I think we would all like to pray for David. So if you would, let's bow our heads. We know, God, that in this world we will have trouble. And you are with us through it all. We call upon the promise that in our weakness, your power is made perfect. And so whenever it doesn't feel like things look the way they're supposed to look, um, Father, of course, we have to align and adjust and submit to you. But we know that there are things that we can call upon from you, Father, because you are a good father and we are your children. And so for our brother David and our sister Kelly and the kids, we would just like to ask for healing, um, for treatment to be effective. God, we absolutely know that you can touch and heal at a word. And we know that you also sometimes employ other things. And so as you wish, God, whatever your will is, we just pray that that would be the outcome that we would have, um, that he would experience healing in the tiniest, tiniest cells and places in his body, God. Um, thank you for the body of believers that um, we rely on each other, we need each other, we support each other, um, we pray for each other, we come to you together. So, um, Father, in the coming days, we pray for strength to return, um, and, and not just physically, but even supernaturally if possible, that you, um, we know that you have written a pretty amazing story in David and Kelly's life so far, and I know you will continue, and um, David would want us to pray for your glory, God, and for the church to be strengthened as we gather, and um, so I, I pray for that, and um, we just stand firm on your promise, God, of who you are, that you are mighty, you are holy, that you are good. In spite of circumstances, you are good. And we thank you that we can come before your throne and ask for what we need. And we feel like that it is within our um, authority to ask because of Jesus, not any other reason, but because of Jesus. And so in his name and for his glory, we pray. Amen. So David and I collaborated, we're collaborating on the message earlier this week, and he asked me to stand in for him. Um, that was pretty short in coming, and so we may not be here long. <laughs> um, hopefully you saw the tables at, um, in the commons as you were walking through. We are trying something a little different and hopefully a little special. I'd like to set up what is happening up um, out there using Exodus 35. In the story of Exodus, I never get tired of talking about Moses. I feel like I talk about Moses all the time when I get up here, but I love, I just think Moses is the coolest. Um, but in the story of the Exodus, God used Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. Um, it wasn't a surprise to him that they were going to be in slavery or that he would lead them out. It was all part of a grand, beautiful narrative and story that God has been writing to relate to humanity. So God called them out of bondage. He chose them to be his special people um, and that they would know and worship him. 
He wants to be known. He wants, he deserves the worship. Um, and he called this people to be holy and set apart, not just for that moment in time, but for the world for generations. This was a pretty special people. God, through Moses, established their new identity. He said, nope, you're mine now. Here's my name. It's yours. And we, we were belonging together. He initiated new practices of worship for them. God was teaching the people how to relate to himself and how to meet with him. So he gave Moses very, very very specific instructions for how to make something we called, he called the tabernacle. It was a holy place. It was a portable place, which is really kind of strange to our way of thinking, but it was a portable place. And it was a worship space that would be the center of their community. Everything revolved around their time of worship. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the tribes were arranged all around it. It was the center of their identity, of their practice, of who they were and what they were meant to be. And just as an aside, the, if you've never studied the tabernacle and its parallel to um, the church, it is absolutely stunning <laughs> and it's well worth the study um, between the Old Testament tabernacle and the New Testament church and how Christ is actually present in both of them. The furnishings and the way it was designed all point to Christ, even though they did not know at the time that that was what was coming. So the, just that is genius and worth worshiping God for, that he has an eye on the past, the present, and the future. So um, the original tabernacle was an actual physical tent made holy by the presence of God. Now, the church is the spiritual tabernacle made holy by the presence of Christ. The tabernacle was a physical place, a tangible place, um, and eventually it would be replaced by the temple, but now even that has been replaced by us. We are a living, breathing body, um, with Christ as our head. So um, our spiritual place of worship is wherever we are. It's not because of these walls. It's wherever we are because we carry with us the presence of Christ. And worshipful living is still the desired characteristic of our community, not just the time that we spend in worship together, but our, um, I, I love Romans, to your probably familiar with Romans 12. We, we, um, we give ourselves as living sacrifice. This is our form of worship, holy and pleasing to God. So it's our worshipful living um, that is still desired by the community of Christ. So um, let's go to Exodus 35, starting with verse 4, and just see how the tabernacle came about. Um, then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. 
and I didn't list these, but here's the list. <laughs> Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread, which just sounds beautiful. Fine linen and goat hair for cloth. Tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather. Acacia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. Onyx stones and other gemstones that are to be used in the attire of the priests and what they wore when they were making, when they were serving in, in the tabernacle. So there's that part, but then in verse 10 he says, Come, all you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and its, as, um, the tabernacle and its sacred tent, the, the coverings, the clasps, um, I think about like shower rings, but I'm sure it's much, much better than that. Um, it's covering, it's clasps, it's frames, it's crossbars, it's posts, it's bases. Um, and, then, and then that was just for the exterior. Then you had, um, supremely, the Ark of the Covenant, the Table of the Bread of Presence, the lampstands and their accessories, the incense altar and all of its supplies, the curtain for the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering, the wash basin with its stand, the curtains, uh, the, the posts and their bases, and the tent pegs. I mean, can you imagine Moses' spreadsheet for all the different groups of who was supposed to do what? I mean, it was, it was, a, it was just an amazing feat that God was in. Um, so the tent pegs, the beautifully stitched garments for the priests to wear while ministering in the holy place. So you have the people who are bringing all of these things for the construction of the tabernacle, which, by the way, most of it was plunder. I don't know if you remember, what, but whenever they left Egypt, finally God brought the Egyptians to the place where they were so ready for the Israelites to go, took ten plagues. But he, he was like, fine, go and take stuff. You know, God put it on the hearts of the Egyptians to carry out with them. They plundered Egypt coming out of their slavery. Who but God, okay? So all of this stuff um, they brought, and it wasn't even necessarily their original ownership, okay, which I think is really meaningful for our understanding of things. So um, the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. They had the command. They went home. And then all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. So they brought the stuff, but then everybody had a role. Everybody had a job to do. And if you've ever, you know, if, if you're in project management, you know, okay, here's the bottom line. This is not bottom line financially, but here's the thing that needs to get done. And then you begin to think, oh, yeah, well, that means we're going to need this, and then we're going to need that, and then there's this three steps later. So we're going to have to, it, it gets, it just kind of gets very complicated quickly. So it it was necessary for the artisans to come together. It was necessary for the artisans' assistants to come together. And um, as I let my imagination go, I can imagine um, as, they're, as they're stitching, uh, you know, the, the artisans uh, who, are, who are 
spinning the thread and who are um, who are sewing it and, and doing the embroidery for the curtains. That takes time. So what do you do while you're while you're working? You're telling stories. I would I would imagine that they were reminding each other of God's faithfulness along the way. I would imagine that their children may have been nearby and holding the yarn, you know. <laughs> like you wrap up the thread and the yarn. Here, hold this so that I can, you know, keep rethreading. Um so I would I Stories of faithfulness, generational training, generational modeling, all of these beautiful things were happening for the purpose of worship. So there are two things that I want us to receive from this today. Um, And the first is why the Israelites brought their offerings mattered more than what they brought. Their hearts were stirred and they were generous, but to the work of the Lord. It was all coming together for a common good. And that was their desire, was the common good. When their labor, skills, and offerings were brought together for the purpose of worship, not just to build a beautiful thing that would kind of, you know, make them stand out from the rest of the world. When, when that all came together, it was for worship. And the value of those things together became something better. It was the purpose of the tabernacle that mattered. Worshiping God as a people. Knowing how to relate to God as a people. And prioritizing his will among the people. The activity of God's people around the priority of worship is what we would still do well to emulate. The second reason, the second thing that I would like for us to receive from this word today is that God can work with what we bring. I can get you some drier lint, but I don't have any goat hair. I'm sorry, but I don't. (laughs) I I think I can probably name a few people who do, Um, uh, but I don't. I don't have any goat hair. And I don't have a stash of gold anywhere either that has been plundered from Egypt. But every single one of us has something that we can bring for for worshipful purposes. Every single one of us. Can you be warm and welcoming? Sometimes that's hard for me. For many of you, I know it's not. You're always warm and welcoming. Are you able-bodied? Can you pray? Do you appreciate beauty and color and design and detail? Mm. I got to tell you, in prayer time last week, God kind of brought to mind that I am not a very thorough person. (laughs) I kind of, you know, think, think big picture and don't always work through the details. So I appreciate people who are detail oriented and who are, who are thorough. We, it's complimentary the way we are put together with our, um, with the things that bring us joy and with the things that God has gifted us with. So do you appreciate those things? Do you, do you love to tell about Jesus? I mean, that's the most important thing that, that any of us can do. All of those qualities and more are needed in our context today. Um, we've heard David say before, context is super duper important for understanding what's happening in Scripture Um, There are things that don't, 
you know, that we read about happening in Scripture, um, especially in the New Testament, that we, it, things are different today. We're a different people. It's a different time. And, um, and so socially, there are things that, that adapt. Um, so what we offer in our context matters. This is, this is the way we do church in Bloomington in 2023, okay? Um, so that doesn't change, though, the fact that what we bring to our worship um, is it, we submit that to God as well. What you bring is needed. Sometimes what is needed is just an, um, not an offering of stuff. Everybody's been really generous this past year giving um, to ACM and to the Beyond Campaign and, and all the places that we have taken a collection. Um, but sometimes what is needed is just an offering of willingness. Imagine what that could have been like in the building in the, of the tabernacle and the coming together of the tabernacle. It, it took everybody. It took everybody to do, um, to do what God had asked them to do. So an offering of willingness. What, can, um, what you can bring is needed here. Now the nice thing is, is that there is no pressure of perfection because it's not about you, it's not about, it, it, it's about God. It's what he does with what we bring, what, what he does through us um, in what we bring to him. In the care of the tabernacle, there was plenty to do every time God said it was time to move. Remember, at this time, they were a nomadic people. God was moving them to the promised land, and they had a little detour of 40 years. <laughs> so, the, um, so the tabernacle was put up and then taken down, put up, moved, taken down. I mean, they did this over and over and over. So in the care of the tabernacle, there was plenty, there were practical things, plenty of things to do every time God said it was time to move. The tent peg ministry, I know we don't have a tent peg ministry here. I don't think we necessarily need one, but um, they, they had to spring into action because um, it was necessary for the pegs to come up out of the ground to start disassembling everything. Um, the ropes and curtains team, I would imagine they were a well-oiled machine by the end of that 40 years. And they probably had the really the strongest arms because you know those ropes were not like twine. They were probably really heavy ropes. So, you know, packing those up, strong arms. Um, the interior furnishings of the tabernacle required great care, especially the Ark of the Covenant. And there were very specific instructions for even how to move the furnishings. Everyone's willingness to serve, supported the worshipful harmony of the whole community. That's really what I want us to take away from today and what I think David would agree. Everyone's willingness to serve supported the worshipful harmony of the whole faith community. So this is why there are tables set up in the commons. Um, everyone is invited to have a part in creating this harmony, this worshipful harmony of the body of Christ. The way we serve together is for the good of others and for the glory of God.
the way we treat each other, the way we conduct ourselves is for the glory of God. We see in the New Testament, Paul says, start with the body of believers and then work your way out. So it's really, we have, um, we just have an amazing opportunity to work as a body to bring the glory of Christ on display to the world. Ah, we want people to say, ah, those Jesus people, I don't quite get it, but they love each other and they love other people and they're really serious about the way they serve God. Let that be said of us. So for the remaining Sundays of January, we have asked our ministry leaders to represent themselves and what they do, as well as how they contribute to the harmony of the whole. Um, just for fun, we're referring it to it as a ministry blitz. <laughs> so if you hear, so when we talk about ministry blitz all, all month long, that's, that's what we're talking about. Blitz is a whole lot more fun to say. I was, I don't know, it's a fun word. Um, so the ministry blitz is happening for these three reasons. Um, so that you can get to know who our ministry leaders are. Praise God, we have a whole bunch of new people around here. And um, it takes a little bit of time to figure out, okay, who's in charge of what? <laughs> well, let me see that spreadsheet Moses had. Um, this is, and, and so people find themselves saying, church is important to me. The body of Christ is important to me. And this is how... Um, I, it's important to me to contribute in this way or to serve in this way. Well, we want to give those, uh, those hearts and those voices a chance to connect with names and faces so that you know um, how to bring your, your offerings to the harmony. Um, the second thing is we, we want you, uh, we want people, new people, old people, whatever. We want everybody to see how we organize ourselves behind the scenes. Um, there's a lot that happens um, in places that we don't see, not just for the Sunday morning gathering, but for other, t other, other events and, and times during our week, as well as during our church, just our church calendar. It takes effort for the wheels to turn, even in a church our size, not just for Sunday morning. And then the third purpose for Ministry Blitz is so that you can connect with other people. I mean, connection and serving are just a really sweet part of, of church life. Especially when people who come together value the same thing, like um, if you value children, um, it's just nourishing in a way to be with other people who, um, who enjoy serving children. So whenever you throw in together, that, um, that edifies you personally and it edifies the, the greater good. Maybe you're a person who, um, who values the fact that you can hear me talking and you can kind of follow along with what's happening. Um, and so if that's something that's important to you, then you'll, you know, by serving together, you connect with other people who also find value in what you um, find valuable. And all of this for the common good of the glory of God that we enjoy. I, I think our service is for our enjoyment as well. Um, whenever it's something that you are passionate about or a, um, it scratches that itch to be valuable to another human being or a group of people, that God put that in us to feel good. And so um, it's, 
It's good for us. It's good for the body. It's good for the glory of God. Um, as you have time today, part of we were we, David and I had planned to go short a little bit so that everybody would have time to go and actually have conversations with anybody at the ministry table. So here in just a, um, as we sing the last song, if you're if you're a person at a table, I would invite you to go out ahead of everybody else um, just to be on your mark to talk to people. But as, as the rest of you have time today or later this month, um, talk, talk to people about a ministry that intrigues you or interests you. Um, but more importantly, ask God what his desire is for you. That's really what matters most. So um, I, I just have a brief prayer to close us out, and we'll sing... Uh, the last song. And as we're singing, ministry leaders, you can take, take your spot. Very simple prayer. Father, in the reading of your word today, be glorified. Through the activity of your people, God, be glorified. And in the way we treat each other, Father, please be glorified. Amen.